You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Yesterday we were talking about whether we could wait for nightfall, whether we could hang around at the edge of the Shabbat boundary, waiting for nightfall in order to recruit laborers or bring in produce or maybe to watch our fields. And of course, and then we had a discussion about, you know, whether these were activities which were permitted on Shabbat or not. And we're going to pick up for this idea. We're going to pick up this idea as we get into the fourth Mishnah in the 23rd chapter. But now we're going to get into questions of mitzvah. Mach shichin atchum lefakeach al iskei kala. Someone or we can await nightfall at the Shabbat boundary so we can go out right to the edge of the Shabbat boundary hanging around there in order to cross over it straight away when Shabbat goes out. So we can save time if you like. This is 2,000 amot. That's about 1,000 meters. It's a kilometer. It must be we're saving ourselves 15 minutes walk on a, on a good road. More in, in, um, on, a, on a poor road. We're going to hang around at the Shabbat boundary in order to attend to the affairs of a bride or a dead person. Um, to attend to the affairs of a dead person, to bring him a coffin and shrouds. And you know, it's very interesting. At the end of the tractate of Brachot, the Mishnah asks... Perhaps just as we say a bracha over good things, we need to say a bracha over bad things as well. And it teaches there the bracha of Hadayan Hadayan Haimed. It's as if as we get to the close of a track date, we start to think about um, closing things. And as we're just just at the end of the tra- this this tractate of Shabbat, it seems that we're also thinking about these closing things. And the Mishnah continues. Goy shehevi chalalim Shabbat. If a non-Jew brings chalalim, chalalim are, are basically reed pipes, like um, like um, the the uh, pan pipes. If he brings, and people used to use those, they used to use those um, when they were mourning. You know, Sephardi women now wail. Right, I mean, wailing is common in a Sephardi, at a, a Sephardi levaya, and they used to use pipes. Someone brings pipes on Shabbat. A Jew shouldn't use them. A Jew shouldn't. The translation here. I'm sorry, I didn't check because the translation says here one must not bewail an Israelite with them. But it, I think okay it might mean we shouldn't use them to eulogize a jew but i think it might also mean a jew should not use them to eulogize unless they come from a near place as in other words where they come from a place where they could have come from inside the tchum and the Rambam explains in his commentary on this on this Mishnah that perhaps, you know, we might wait after Shabbat for the length of time that it might have taken for someone to bring them after Shabbat. 
But the Mishnah doesn't give this exception. It just says, look, we don't use them. And similarly, at the end of the Mishnah, if he made for himself a coffin or he dug a grave, this is a non-Jew who's doing this for himself. A Jew can be buried in it, just as we learned that if a non-Jew lights a light, a Jew can benefit from it. If he does it for himself, but if he did it for a Jew, just as if he did, and just just as if he lit a light for a Jew, if he did it for a Jew, lo ikaver bo olamit. The Mishnah is incredibly definitive. A Jew will, should never be buried in it. And again, the Rambam suggests that maybe, and if enough time passes after Shabbat for it to be dug after Shabbat by a Jew, maybe this is possible. But the Mishnah is absolutely definitive. And then it goes on. It goes on. Osin kol Hamed. We actually perform all the needs of the dead. This is on Shabbat now. This is on Shabbat. Sechin umdichin oto ubilvad shelo yazizu ever. We can anoint him with oil. We wash him, providing that no limb of his is moved. The Bartanur explains this, and I actually brought the Bartanur at the end of the Sorshi because he brings a really interesting principle of muktza which is just worth repeating. And he, he begins by repeating the Mishnah, provided that no limb of his is moved. And he explains, So we shouldn't move or raise his hand or his foot or his eyelashes, for it's prohibited to carry a dead person, to move a dead person or one of his limbs, even though it is permitted to touch it. We touch, but we don't move. And then he explains, Similarly, all things which are muktza are permitted for touching, but forbidden for moving. It's an incredibly important distinction. We can touch our $100 bill all we like on Shabbat. We just can't move it. And then he explains the famous case of the egg that was laid on Shabbat, Uveitzash in Oldaba Shabbat, over Yom Tov, and an egg that was laid on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. Asura afilu bin we don't even touch it. Shemi pnei kadurita, because of its roundness, touching it is like moving it. So it's as though he's saying, look, in principle, you know, you could touch the egg on Shabbat if it weren't round, if it weren't such that touching it would mean inevitably moving it. And the principle he's bringing is that we can touch something muktza on Shabbat, even though we can't move it. And the dead person is muktza on Shabbat. So we're going to follow the same principles. Shomtin etakar mitachtav. We're going to take the pillow from under him, his head. So remember, we're in a hot climate in the time of the Mishnah, and we want to cool the body down. And the idea, the, the idea underneath the Mishnah is that if we take off some of the um, some of the um, the bedclothes which are keeping him away from the earth then will allow the body to cool down. It'll keep for longer. I mean, keeping, it was a problem, right? In those days, keeping a body cool. So we remove, we don't move the body, but we just take away the bedclothes from under the body so that he can lie on the sand. 
We can tie up his his chin, his jaw. Not that we actually move it up and close it, because we're not going to move the body on Shabbat. Ele shelo yosif, just so it doesn't go further. Vichen korash enishbara. Interesting that the broken and similarly, if a beam is broken, interesting the broken body and the broken beam. These are all. Uh, I, I mean, there's a sort of poetry in the Mishnah. It's bringing together all of these images of um, all of these images of end of life. We're going to support it with a stool. With the bedboards. Not that it should rise up. Exactly the same language. But it should go no further. So we put something in place that the, the, you know, the jaw of the dead person shouldn't open up any further or that the beam of the house shouldn't break any more. But we can't fix it on Shabbat. And the Mishnah closes. Ein ma'amtsin et ha'met b'Shabbat. We don't close the eyes of a dead person on Shabbat. Interestingly, this word ma'amtsin is actually spelled with an aleph rather than ein in the Kalfman manuscript. And the Jastro, Jastro actually brings it with an Aleph, but it also brings a, a near parallel word, not from the root Amatz, but from the root, from the, the root Atsam, but spelt this time with an Ayn. So there's, there's clearly a different way of spelling this word, but it means Ma'amtsin, but it means to close the eyes of a dead person. We don't close the eyes of a dead person on Shabbat. And by the way, we don't even do that on a weekday. When someone is close to the point of death. Because we are, well, the Mishnah will, will explain. Someone who closes the eyes at the point of death. Is guilty of bloodshed, of manslaughter. We'd say in in English law, the um, someone who's right on the edge of death, we can't we can't do anything. We we can't do anything that might hasten his death or that might push him over the edge. And the Mishnah is anxious that if we touch him, if we close his eyes, if we do anything to him, we might just push him over the edge and. Even if someone is right at the end of his life, we still treat his life as precious and holy. And someone who does something to disturb it is kush or is guilty of bloodshed, just as if he'd been, you know, someone in the prime of his in the prime of his years. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.